The Green Chair is brought to you by you for you. To support The Green Chair, please visit our website and purchase a lip balm at thegreenchair.com.au. The Green Chair would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we have recorded this podcast and pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. The Green Chair is produced on Wiradjuri Country. Welcome to the eighth episode of The Green Chair. I'm your host, Denny Maidens, and thank you for joining me for this week's episode. The Green Chair is an inclusive space for regional women to connect, collaborate, and interact with one another in a supportive environment. At The Green Chair, we believe connection, collaboration, and inclusion are essential, sharing the good, bad, and the ugly. In this week's episode, our eighth, I speak to Nicole Gross. My workmate recommended I speak to Nick. She gave me the most amazing overview of her and I knew I just had to talk to her. I have never spoken to someone who is so humble. Nick does what she does purely because she is a kind person and we all need a Nick in our lives. So let's jump into it. Could you please give me an overview of yourself? (laughs) Personally or professionally? Look, I think Um, they, they overlap, don't they? Yeah, 100%, 100%. So I am firstly a mother of two quite active boys, Paddy, who is 13, and Ollie, who is nine. My husband is an ex-soldier. He was in infantry and then he in, in the army. Infantry and then he moved on to medical corps and then he moved into nursing corps, so he did a little over 20 years in the army. During that time, I I grew up in Bathurst, went to uni in Bathurst, and I studied PDHPE teaching. I was a teacher for nine years, and in that time is when I met my husband at the V8 supercars in Bathurst, which obviously was just on on the weekend. And we, yeah, so he lived in Wodonga and I lived in Dubbo, and we did two and a half years of you know, being together but not sort of living together, which was kind of nice because we really got to know each other, I guess, that way. And then we, when we got married in 2008, um, had Patty in 2009, we then, during that time, I was studying to do exercise physiology. I just I needed a change. I needed to, I don't know, I didn't like where teaching was going, I guess. So, I was going to do physio and then I sort of spoke to CSU and they said, oh, we've got this new course and it's exercise physiology. And anyway, so I went down that path. So it was like majoring in rehabilitation. So basically an exercise physiologist is someone who's four-year university trained and we deal with chronic conditions and we pretty much use exercises the mode of recovery for chronic conditions I think what what we realized you know whether it was the government or whatever there was a gap there was kind of like physios and physios sort of had to deal with chronic and acute injuries and and realistically they can a physio can diagnose a condition whereas exercise physiologists we get the client with the condition who've had the condition for some time And then we use exercise to treat that. And physios were kind of doing both. And then they realized physios are just too busy for this. So we need to have that 
you know, in between, like physios would kind of brush people off and go, okay, well, not all physios rather, and, and brushing them off is probably a bad way to put it, but they'd kind of done everything that they could and then they were leaving them, leaving the clients to their own devices. So clients would, you know, possibly end up just either not doing anything or doing things incorrectly by just, you know, going to the gym, say, for example, and just running whatever they think that they should be doing, not having any more guidance. So it's kind of like being treated, 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 and then cut off. So that's where sort of exercise physiology came about. So I was studying exercise phys, and then at that time, I in 2009, I had Patty, and we then at the end of 2009, Clint got posted to Brisbane. So we moved to Brisbane. We lived in Brisbane for three years, had a great time. As soon as we sort of got there, I was like, I, I'm going to make the most of this. So I'm, I got into a touch football team up there, which I was playing touch football back here. Touch football team up there and got to know a lot of people, some friends who, you know, I still consider to be my best, some of my best friends even now. We always sort of, you know, reach out at different times and catch up when we can. Obviously a little bit harder now that we're back here. We sold our house and everything in Dubbo, so we weren't really coming back. But then Clint, we took three months off when Clint got back from Afghanistan. So Clint did a little over six months in Afghanistan in the army. And when he came back, we went on a three-month trip around Australia. So Paddy was three then. And we just travelled around and pretty much did the lap. So much more that we could have done, but we really gave ourselves three months. And then Clint was kind of, you know, weighing up, do I stay in the army? Do I get out? We're going to be post. And we're going to be posted to Oki in Queensland and we were kind of, he sort of thought, oh, look, I need something different. I need to get out. My family needs to be first priority now. So he got a job back at Dubbo Base at the hospital where he was in the emergency department. In the meantime, I was obviously still a mum. I was then pregnant with Ollie and I came back and worked at Precision Healthcare, which is a physio practice here in Dubbo. And had a great time doing that. And I really had this keen interest for disability. I, you know, could have gone several ways with exercise fears, really. You know, there's the more sporting side of things, which I suppose in some ways at one stage I was possibly classed I wouldn't class myself as an elite athlete back then but I was possibly in that category I was playing when I was younger I played basketball right through until I was 18 19 20 even and then even through uni I was still playing a little bit of basketball but also playing soccer I you know represented a reasonably high level in basketball soccer came along and I probably was found that I was a bit of a natural at that so I represented fairly high level at soccer as well. And then touch football came along and I was kind of, I broke my leg playing soccer and that kind of put an end to that, especially with, you know, living in Dubbo, traveling to Sydney for soccer every weekend was pretty intense. So I had that injury. And so that, I suppose, sparked a little interest in, you know, the exercise rehab side of things and whatnot. And, you know, in sport in general, you get, injuries that you know you kind of have to then recover from and rehab out of and I was lucky my fractured leg was probably just the worst injury um some people have had you know I guess worse injuries but yeah I've been kind of lucky with regards to that but yeah it certainly sparked some interest with regards to that am I going on too much no I'm I'm like deeply fascinated because (laughs) I have troubles 
hitting a ball or throwing anything and you're just like, oh, yeah, no, I can I basketball <laughs> and soccer and touch. And I'm just like, I'm just in awe of it. So, yeah, no, absolutely, please. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, so I was playing both basketball and soccer when I broke my leg and then, yeah, that sort of ended, you know, as soon as I did that, I was – I didn't go back to those sports too much at all. And then, yeah, so touch footy. It wasn't super big in Bathurst, living in Bathurst at the time. But then when I moved to Dubbo, it was massive. And I couldn't believe this women's comp was huge and mixed comp and it was great. So sport really, I suppose, has been the best thing for me, particularly with moving from town to town. I was told that Dubbo was fairly clicky, but I haven't found it. And maybe it's just because... I don't know. I'm not, I'm, that, that sort of thing doesn't bother me. I love people. So, you know, being introduced to people and most of it was through sport or work was, you know, awesome. I got a job at St. John's College with a broken leg. So I had to learn how to drive my car, probably illegally, but anyway, <laughs> we drove the car <laughs> and yeah, got straight into teaching and the PE teachers up there were all quite young. Um, I think maybe only one of them, maybe the head teacher and assistant had kids, but they were very young kids as well. So, you know, we were young, it was fun. We, you know, socialized together, we worked together. It was, it was great. And then, you know, you add sport to that as well. So yeah, then I sort of started looking more into needed a bit of a challenge for myself sporting wise and touch football sort of led me down a little bit more of an elite pathway as well, I guess, you know, representing our region, which in touch football, it's a little bit different to other sports. Our nationals for New South Wales and Queensland, we represent as a region at nationals just because touch is so massive, but South Australia, Victoria, Tasmania, Western Australia, they come as Northern Territory. They come as one state, whereas we come as regions. So that's, I've always loved that carnival. It really, you know, showed the best of the best, I, I guess. And then State of Origin, I was lucky to play three years with the State of Origin, which is obviously us versus Queensland. It's just three games, but it was next level again. So, yeah, I've been so lucky with, with sport and, and work and, yeah, that side of things. When we moved back to Dubbo when I was working at Precision Health, I, I was, I, I think I just mentioned before, I was... I've always been super interested in disabilities and just helping people in general. I think I'm on the Dubbo Touch Committee, Claire's Angels Committee. I've just joined St. John's Rugby League Committee. And I do this for my kids, but also to give back to the sport as well that I've played in. So, yeah, I'm sort of bouncing through a few committees, which makes me very time poor. And those monthly meetings come around so quick. But you just do what you've got to do, really. When I was at Precision, Fletch and Dave were both great and supportive. And, you know, if there was ever anything that I wanted to sort of move into, they would always, you know, listen and, and support me through that. But I was kind of, I really wanted to open up a centre where we could help all disabilities, but the face down with the physios wasn't the right space. And then, well, you know, due to unfortunate circumstances through injury, but I suppose fortunate for me to be able to build what I have now, I was playing league tag with Sims, Dubbo Sims, and a guy by the name of Ryan Medley. He was playing reserve grade, Reggie's as we call it, 
and he was unfortunately injured in a tackle. The injury pretty much on the field presented as a spinal cord injury and that's ended up was the diagnosis. He fractured his C-spine and was flown to Royal North Shore. And my husband at the time was running sports trainer for Sims and he was on his break for that game because he did league tag and then he did 18s and then he was um, just having lunch during the Reggie's game and Ryan's injury occurred and Shane Madden was one of the, he ran the water and he was one of the first ones to sort of get there and, and straight away he kind of, you know, just held onto Ryan's neck and he was just saying, go and get Clint, someone go and get Clint Gross. Like anyway, Clint sort of, you know, mid sandwich and he puts it down. He goes, oh, just hold that. I'll be back in a sec. Anyway, <laughs> he went out onto the field and he, as soon as he saw Ryan, he knew that it was a spinal cord injury. He pretty much said to me in the car on the way home because, you know, whenever we have anything with work or whatnot, we kind of have a little vent debrief to each other. And Clint went straight into work mode. And he he said, like, it just presented everything textbook spinal cord. Anyway, so Clint many was able to get the helicopter. Obviously, he called Triple O and whatnot. Usually, he would get, like, it would be transferred through to Dubbo. But this time, it was transferred to Sydney. Dubbo must have been busy. Anyway, Clint said, oh, this is Clint Gross. I work at ED. I think at the time he was nursery manager of ED. Yeah, so I'm numb of ED and we're at a football game in Wellington and we have a spinal cord injury and we need the helicopter. And their response was pretty much, well, we'll let the first responders make that call. And Clint's like, radio, I'm just letting you know, like, you need to prep it. Anyway, so then, of course, the Ambos came and they then called through for the helicopter. <laughs> so, I mean, I I do think that Ryan Ryan's how the situation sort of occurred and that Clint was there was very lucky for him because there were, mm, without, I suppose, dobbing anyone in because it's definitely, you know, I suppose it's more of a learning thing Mm. than anything. But the officials on the field at the time are like, oh, we'll just move him off to the side. Like the sideline's just there and then we can continue. Mm. And And Clint was like, you're not moving him. And they're like, well, you know, and Clint goes, no, like, this is a serious injury, we're not moving him. And I'd hate to know what would happen if they did move him. I don't think that the outcome would be what it is for Ryan. And, you know, you pretty much can't get a worse injury than a spinal cord injury. And it was, you know, quite disturbing for everyone to sort of, you know, see that because obviously took time for the helicopter to come and then, you know, they called his family and I know that his wife had just been on a hen's party and she sort of, you know, rocked up probably a little bit hungover to, you know, her husband lying on the ground. But they got there in time before the helicopter sort of went to Sydney and she was then able to gather a few things at home and then drive down to Sydney. He pretty much, with these sort of injuries, so he had a compression injury, so his spinal cord got sort of compressed in between his vertebrae. And with that type of injury, time is of essence. The sooner you can get him in for surgery and release that, the more function potentially they could have. So it, it was quite timely. You know, obviously the helicopter had to come from Orange. So it took, you know, 40 minutes to get him stable and get him sort of back in the air again and all that sort of jazz. Anyway, Clint and I really didn't know Ryan very well, but... We did, like I, as a teacher, 
taught his younger sister Leah. So we knew of the Medleys. The Medleys are, you know, a, a reasonably well-known family in Dubbo. So, yeah, so it was, you know, we didn't know Ryan, but I said to Clint on the way home, we need to, when we're in Sydney next, we're going to go and see him at hospital. And anyway, so we, we did all that. And so then in hospital, we were kind of, you know, having a chat to, or by this stage, he was at, yeah, he was still at Royal North Shore. And then from there, the process is they go to Royal Rehab for their rehab to pretty and what they pretty much do there is teach you how to live with your injury so they teach you transfers they teach you you know all that sort of stuff for when you go home then you know that process can then continue on a massive learning curve for his family particularly for his wife Casey I think they'd only been married for a couple of years so you know still so young and so you know so much ahead of them and to this day they are probably the best couple that I know, just, you know, solid. They now have a baby naturally, which is awesome. And she's pregnant again. So that's even more awesome. Anyway, so we went down and we saw them in Sydney and I was talking to Case and I was sort of saying, you know, I really want to do some work with Ryan. Like I want to help. Like, you know, I was still working at Precision. He went up to Making Strides, which is neurological exercise therapy centre similar to ours but has its differences obviously and went up there and I said right I'm going to come up I'm going to come up for a couple of weeks and I'm going to you know get a good solid handover from these guys and so I went there for his initial and spent the week there and it was good to have a little break away for me and <laughs> away not necessarily from the family but you know it is, it is always good to have a bit of you time but I learned so much from those guys and got so many ideas and Jim Barrett, who's one of the owners up there, he's actually from Dubbo. He pretty much said to me, you know, you need to open something like this in Dubbo, like this. We have so many people who come up here who can only come for short blocks and then they go home to sort of nothing. Like, you know, if you can continue, you know, with their care, we could have a really good, you know, referral system, I guess. Anyway, so it really did get me thinking because while I was at precision as I said like you know the, the space wasn't really it wasn't set up how you know I could sort of run with it so I kind of when Ryan came back we were doing sessions out of it out of a um, little gym that his parents set up for him while he was away and it was out at their property they've got a small farm just out on the outskirts of Dubbo and yeah we were doing our sessions out there and I was sort of going out there probably three or four days a week and seeing him and we sort of got talking and he is in the construction game so he was like I said to him you know this is good but we could open something that's bigger that could you know help more people like you or but I don't want to just hone in on neurological conditions I'd like to branch out and do all disabilities because I think that you know there's a bit of a gap there anyway so we sort of got talking about that and by I don't even know how long that conversation sort of went on until we sort of opened but it it seems like a bit of a blur now but we February 2019 we opened Active on the Move Rehab and so Ryan and Casey were doing sort of the admin side of things while I did the therapy. Our first day that we opened, a guy from West Haven came in and he was like, oh, this is really good. He said this, like, I could I could bring like 25 people here. 
And I looked at Ryan and just pooed my pants a little bit, went, oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, far out. Anyway, our, our setup is very, like, we're in a commercial area. We're in behind David Payne's, like, in his sort of setup region area. And we're the fourth building down. And so you literally can walk in through the roller door. Like, every day the roller door comes up, not in winter. Roller door comes up and you can, you know, roll in that way. And we've got a little office and all that sort of stuff. So we, we sort of set it up properly. And, and that was a lot of, you know, Ryan's influence as well with that because he kind of knew what we would need you know with spinal cord injuries and you know other conditions as well but spinal cord injuries you can't regulate your own temperature so for Ryan he needed somewhere that was going to be cool enough in winter in summer but still warm enough in winter so I think we had we moved into a shed that has an evaporative air conditioner and that's kind of it in the office there's a reverse cycle air conditioner since we've you know made improvements on that but we've we found our first our first winter was probably worse than our first summer so February 19th no February 11th sorry 2019 we moved in and we haven't looked back I now have seven exercise physiologists and exercise scientist who is studying exercise phys at the moment i have a allied health assistant and one full-time front of house who is probably one of the you know busiest jobs because she sort of answers the phones does the diary does the bookings does the my jobs that i flick her every day does the accounting does you know all that sort of stuff makes a coffee goes and does the groceries and then we also have expanded to support coordination so I have a full-time support coordinator a almost full-time support worker and then our allied health assistant also does a little bit of support work as well so our team has really expanded and expanded quite quickly like you know we're coming up to four years in February and you know we've had other people sort of come and go as well that you know I really appreciate everything that they've done as well but yeah that's kind of where we're sitting at the moment. I guess just like from you just saying that I just I don't know if you have like really taken a chance really to ever like think about it but I don't know anybody who like really like thinks like you do like everything and how you explain like your thought process and everything it's very very selfless it was it's very selfless it's very you want to help people and you saw the gap to try and help people and it's just yeah really lovely and refreshing to hear that because I don't think I've ever heard anyone say anything that you've said you're right well I don't know I just yeah, I. Uh, that's nice of you <laughs> to say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, look, I. When we set this this business up, particularly, you know, I said to Ryan, "I'm not here for the money. I'm here. You know, that's not my motivator. My motivator is, you know, what we do day in day out. And I think that all my staff can vouch for that. That you know. I say it in every meeting, I say it, you know, when, you know, people are feeling a bit flat, like, you know, some people who come in have really shit stories. And my whole goal is for every person who enters our centre, I want them to feel happier and feel more, I suppose, like they've got this than when they entered. Like I want them to leave feeling, feeling refreshed, I guess. 
I don't know. I think that if that just makes my day to see people, you know, and yeah, you're going to have people come in and be a little bit down in the dumps. Like, you know, I, I can give you an example. I've got one client, great guy, lives on his own, you know, sort of day to day is his thing. He has CP and, you know, he's, he's doing his best. And some days are just harder than others for him. And he was going through a bit of a, you know, rough patch and he sort of came in, he wasn't engaging with anyone. And, you know, a a couple of the staff were, you know, really trying to, you know, pick him up, I guess. And, and, And that can sometimes be hard, I guess, on the staff as well to, because like, you know, if you're trying to do that for three, four, five people in a row, you know, it can kind of bring you down a little bit as well, I suppose. Anyway, so I, I noticed he, he was booked in my in my diary this particular day and it was an afternoon session. I think, you know, we finished at 3.30 with him. So it was in at 2.30. And I just said to him, you know, he was up for a hug, actually. I just said to him, like, do you need a hug? And he was like, just sort of reached out. And I said, after this session, I've got a couple of these in the fridge. How about we sit out the back? And we have a beer. And that just, you know, just, I don't even know if he likes beer, but he drank it. (laughs) But it was so good to just, you know, for me to walk out of there and go, he's had a rough couple of weeks and no one's been able to crack him. And it's not because of any other reason that I managed to crack him that I suppose I just gave him that little bit of extra time. Like I didn't just see him and send him on his way. And my staff don't do that. Like, you know, don't get the wrong impression with that because they know, you know, what I expect, I suppose. Mm. But I think it was just more, I don't know, he he knew me from the start and he didn't do many sessions with me. So we were doing this session and he was probably, you know, he hadn't seen me for a while and I got a bit personal with him. Mm. You know, we had a hug and we had a beer at the end, like... But I'm lucky that I can have that. Like, you know, not many people can go to work and have a beer with their clients. No. And I certainly wouldn't do it all the time, but it's something that he needed at the time and I knew that. Yeah, but that also too shows that you genuinely care about the people you see. Yeah, 100%. And let's face it, I love a good social. You know, (laughs) ask any of my friends. (laughs) I'm usually the first one to put my hand up and go, yes, I'm in. (laughs) But, yeah, so I don't know. I just think... Everything that we do at On The Move is about the clients. And I know with that as well, I need to be mindful of my staff and I need to, you know, make sure that they're happy. And I've had one-on-one conversations with my staff just over the last month, you know, just just touching base. I, I took them all off-site individually and, like, we might have gone and had a coffee. We might have, you know, had a soft drink at the pub. Like, everyone went somewhere different. And I just, you know, sort of nutted out a few things with them and where they're at and what they want to do and are they happy. Got some really insightful things out of them by doing that. And I've never claimed to be a good boss. I'm just doing my best. But I just think that the environment that we create shouldn't be stressful and it shouldn't be stressful for us as clinicians and it shouldn't be stressful for clients and the whole process to, you know, get them in and get seen is my number one, really. You've given me all sorts of, yeah, feelings. You just, yes, wish I spoke to you um, weeks and weeks of weeks ago, honestly. <laughs> um, yeah, wow. I think what's really quite interesting is that I haven't really ever 
or known very much anything about what what you do like when I think of you know I know you know I've seen physios and done that but I've never seen or you know really spoken to ever an exercise with psych or phys or whatever physiologist physiologist (laughs) like that's a hard word even to say like um EP just stick with EP yeah like I'll stick with EP I guess it's like with your typical day and the exercises and things that you do with your clients I guess can you sort of explain that a bit to me and not even I guess the differences between what you do and what a physio does but I guess what it is you do to assist your you know your clients yeah sure so a lot of people come in to us with physical conditions so it might be you know they come in because their mobility isn't great so we will work with what they've got I'm a massive one you can read any textbook that you want on a particular condition so you know say for example it might be cerebral palsy what the textbook and the journal articles and all that sort of stuff have on that is one thing but I look at what the person presents as and then I sit down with them and nut through their goals and then from their goals we then start working through a bit of a program to see what they can do I don't focus on the what they can't it's what they can do so we try and build on that But they might say, for example, want to be able to walk unaided. So without a walker, without a walking stick, without whatever. So then we will do all different movements to allow them to be strong enough to be able to do that. So we'll work with balance. It might be static balance moving through into dynamic balance. We'll look at their gait, so how they walk and see where their weaknesses are and try and improve on that. We have a a bit of technology that we can use to show, you know, where they're at now compared to where they were at, just to give that objective data, I suppose. But, yeah, so then we just sort of program around that. I'm not a massive one on programming. Like, you know, you come in, like, say, for example, if I was to do you up a gym program, I'd say to you, right, here's your gym program. I want you to work on that for six weeks come back and see me in six weeks time. It's a lot different to that. I'm a massive one for, we might have this goal of being able to walk independently, but we also need to, I like to look at how can we do things differently? I'm not going to stick with the same program because it becomes boring. It becomes boring for us. And, you know, we're only doing it however often. They're trying to do it all the time. So it must be boring for them. So, but some people, however, want to do that kind of repetitive program. Mm. Um, So it really depends on the client and what they want. So we sit with them, we work out their goals, we do an objective analysis on them. So it might just be observing how they move and it might take a couple of sessions to really, you know, test them out a little bit to see where they're at for us to then, you know, work out what they need to do from there. But everything that we do is about functional being functional yeah so uh, yeah everyone's so different like you know someone coming in in a in a wheelchair for example they might come in in a manual chair that you know they might have a spinal cord injury like we've got a guy at the moment who I've just finished up with his session just before you called and he's a t-spine injury so he's got full use of his arms he doesn't have full use of his abs 
So sitting without a backrest, for example, can be a bit of a challenge for him. So I'll look at that and go, Rodeo, we want to try and, you know, challenge his seated balance. So, you know, we'll get him to do, like today we had him on the pulley system without a backrest, doing different things there. And I had a practice student with me today and I was just explaining, you know, the different things that we can do. And he offered some, you know, oh, could we try this? And so, you know, we could try that as well. And I think for someone like that guy that I was just talking about for when he comes in for his sessions, he wants to know that he's doing something with us that he probably wouldn't be able to do at home. Mm. So we're kind of challenging him here because at home he's you know got his own little gym set up he doesn't want to be doing the stuff that he can do at home he wants to you know so yeah I I try and and be as individualized with programs and whatnot as possible but on the flip side of that I am I don't have a full patient load at the moment with everyone else and and their diaries like I might sort of bounce in here and there if people are away and you know we've had a lot of people on leave and whatnot probably a little bit thanks to COVID but also winter and you know all those little bugs and whatnot we have to be super careful with within our center because we do have some very vulnerable people and if they got you know sick because we've passed something on to them well that wouldn't be good so you know I'm a massive one for if you're not well stay at home so I've kind of been filling a few gaps and, and it is what I love. Like I'd much prefer to be doing that sort of stuff rather than the behind the scenes stuff. And I also like to get around and say good day to people. You know, we, we might be working with a client and it's sort of that we sort of do hour. Some people do an hour and a half, but every hour on the hour kind of thing, we have a break at lunch. And then it starts again, but whenever someone comes in, everyone knows them. So, you know, say, for example, you'll walk in and we'll go, hey, Danny, and then someone else will go, hey, Danny, hey, Danny, like, you know, and you're like walking in going, hey, hey. Yeah, so it's, you probably should come up and check it oh, out. Honestly, I just, hey, what you're describing, I'm just, I, I love it. I guess, do you only see adults or do you see kids as well or do you do, do you focus on, yeah, what I guess is, yeah, it's such a yeah, wide but, spectrum of people you could help, I guess. Yeah, I mean, because we're, you know, open from 8 till 5.30ish, it's kids are mostly at school. So it is mostly adults. However, we do have the options of, you know, before the school, before school kind of session for kids. And then we do, we were running two kids groups each week. So a Monday afternoon and a Tuesday afternoon. But they sort of shortened up a little bit and we lost a couple, not lost a couple, but, you know, once kids are independent enough and, and old enough, they want to go off and play sports if they can. And, you know, that's our goal to help them to be able to do that. If that's what they want to do, well, you know, let's work towards that. So, yeah, so we did have two groups, but this term we've, we're just doing one group on a Monday and that's mostly high school kids. Yeah. But then the Tuesday group was more the primary age kids, but we've sort of dropped the Tuesday group off to um, just doing one-on-ones because there was only two of them left. So it was kind of, it it was better to just do one-on-ones. So I had, you know, two staff members on two kids, so might as well be one-on-one. Yeah. So, so we do see kids for sure. Um, It just depends on, you know, what, what we have available and what, you know, works for them. As well, our support coordinator, uh, sorry, our support worker, Kieran, he works with some kids in the afternoons. And then we also do hydrotherapy as well. 
So we hire Yawara Community Schools pool. They built a hydrotherapy centre, I want to say maybe a couple of years ago now, um, but it's still very, very new, multi-million dollar build, beautiful facility. So we go over there and we, I'm, I'm over there on Mondays. And then, and it's, we do three, I do three groups. So I do a men's group and two ladies groups in hydro. And then we do more the sort of reduced supervision. Like you come in, you run through your program and then there's two of us sort of on the floor, just keeping an eye on things. And I also get in for some one-on-ones as well. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we do the same thing, but that's in the afternoon. So from about three till five, we're in the water, but we're in the water for the whole couple of hours for that one with clients so so yeah good variety we also do Annabelle one of our EPs she does some work with Yawara community school kids in hydro in conjunction like with their school time sort of thing so that's a part of their routine for the for the week and we also work closely with Bunning Young Public as well in the school delivering exercise therapy so we do, do we do see kids but mostly it's it's adults just because of the you know time of days i didn't know half of those things that you do and that's just amazing of what you guys can offer and like how it's all so tailored and everything like that it's just yeah i'm just a little bit blown away i guess by that yeah i guess it's such a i don't it's not it's not necessarily specialized it's just I found like before, obviously I found out things that was happening with my daughter and her challenges. I never even had heard about before an occupational therapist. And now yeah. every time I um, speak to a young kid, I'm like, when you grow up, you should be an OT. And yeah, hundred percent. Do, do you know? So like, yeah, now it's, I'm going to be saying the same about, Hey, do you want to be an EP as well? Because honestly, <laughs> yeah. like that's, this is where it's at, I guess is, what advice would you give to someone who was considering becoming one? Because, oh my goodness, this is, you're on my list of people of, people need to become one. <laughs> um, I think my advice would, would definitely be, I kind of feel like you need to know where you want to be. So many people think exercise is, is just all about sport and sports people and so many people have these you know high standards of I'm going to work for you know an NRL team or a AFL team or you know I'm going to do elite sport but then reality kind of hits and there's really not much room for that because those sports have been around for so long they've already got their people do you know what I mean that's not to say that you can't crack the market Mm. like you might be very good and very lucky really so I kind of feel like you need to broaden your horizons a little bit you can still have that as a goal for sure but dip your foot into different things and and like challenge yourself Disability is not for everyone, but I think that, you know, even chatting to to my staff, a a few of them I've picked up as prac students and they've loved it and what they, and I'd be mad not to keep them. A part of being an EP is talking to people and being good with people. Well, that's, you know, my take on it. It doesn't matter if you work in my centre or at a physio's or, you know, in a hospital. You've got to be good with people. So I suppose, you know, broaden your horizons and, and take every opportunity to do a little bit of like while you're at uni, 
go and hit some places up and say, can I be a volunteer and help? Or, you know, can I just do a bit of, you know, it's not a part of uni, but just observation. I certainly wouldn't knock anyone back. You know, some Year 10 students sort of come to our centre as well for their week's work experience, which is cool because it gives them that little look into and then hopefully they, you know, want to pursue something down that track. still is the side of it where you've got to write reports. You know, there's the admin side of it that's, the worst part, but, you know, I, I feel that that's in any job, you know, nothing's without admin and dotting your I's and crossing your T's and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, there's still mandatory stuff that needs to be done that's a bit brain numbing. But, but yeah, it definitely is is a good career. But, yeah, I would definitely, if anyone came to me and said, do you think I should do it? Well, 100% I do, but you've got to have the right personality. You've got to have the right, give every experience a go mm. would probably be my... I know, like, I back myself with the fact that anyone who comes to be a prac student, a work experience, a support worker with, you know, one of their clients who are coming to us, I back myself with the fact that they love coming to us. Yeah. And they, you know, sort of walk in and go, wow, this is cool. Yeah, so. No, I think that's really great advice because I also think too it's, I don't want to say it's out of the norm, but it's not something that everybody's talking about all the time. It's like, I know growing up, it was like, oh, you can become this or you can become this. It's quite generic type roles. And I really, it's good to broaden your horizons. And, you know, you might do some prac and you go, oh, actually, maybe that's not for me, but at least you have a go and open your eyes a bit further and hop outside your bubble maybe and experience something a bit different. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, like even with our exercise scientist who is working or who is studying EP at the moment, you know, she said to me, where do you think I should go for my placement? And I said, nowhere in Dubbo. Hmm. I said, get out of Dubbo and go somewhere else. And she's like, oh, yeah, well, I wanted to do that anyway. I was like, perfect. And not because of any other reason other than broaden your horizons. Yeah. Like she's a Dubbo girl. Hmm. She has moved away before and come back but you know this is now a new career so go somewhere that's different like you know I could say to her go to making strides Mm. but I don't think that the experience for her would benefit her because it's quite it's similar but different so you know if you she was sort of like you know I'd really be interested in working like you know at uni we're talking about, you know, renal clients and all that sort of stuff. I'd like, I said, well, go to a hospital, mm. you know, give that a crack. And I, but my suggestion also is to go to a clinic, like go to a more sterile environment. And I don't mean any disrespect by saying that, but go to a more sterile, you know, sort of environment that's different to mm. us. And then I think that that gives these guys a good appreciation for where we're at. Yeah, and, and look, I'm not saying that we're perfect. If, if you were to have a brutally honest conversation with my staff, you know, I'm sure that there's areas like, you know, I talk to them and I say, like, what can we do better? Because I want to continually make it good, not only for the clients, but also for them. Because at the end of the day, if they're not upbeat, they're not positive, they're not, you know, loving their job, mm. well, the clients, that they're going to, you know, pick up on that. And on the flip side of that as well, I also know that, you know, some of these guys are straight out of uni and they're coming and working for me. Are they going to stay with me forever? Maybe not. Mm. But 
you know, that's, I want to keep them for as long as I can. And while ever we're growing, well, you know, that's growing their experience as well. So I I love everything that you've said. So I, I can't disagree with you in anything. I know that you're probably going to need to go and I know that I do in a minute, but I just, I have one last question if that's okay. Yeah. And it's opposite to probably what we've been talking about. What do you believe is the biggest hurdle for women in regional Australia? I think that we're getting there, but mm, I'd have to really think about it actually. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I, I just, me personally, I haven't let being a woman affect anything that I do. Mm. I guess one of the biggest things that I'm probably most proud of is the fact that my kids have been coming to watch mum play footy Mm. and to watch mum, you know, and that's no disrespect to Clint. Clint's a little bit older than me as well and, you know, but my kids have grown up, you know, following me around with sport, whereas most kids would be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to watch dad play footy. Mm. So I love that. And I've never let being a woman, I'm pretty strong-willed and if I feel like I'm being hard done by, I'll stand up for myself. Mm. So I guess in a way I've got that voice and I'm not afraid to, to sort of say it, you know, I don't beat around the bush with people and if someone's being a bit chauvinistic, I'll let them know. But I just find that, I don't know, I, I, I actually don't know <laughs> how to answer that. But I think what I've I wanted to ask you that out of all these questions I've got here is because you, again, come across though that you are very strong within yourself and you, I don't want to say you don't care what other people think, but that's, it's, you're strong within yourself and you have a very clear, I guess, vision or whatever it is that it doesn't affect you what other people think. And it's, I don't know, I, I've only been like that in the last couple of years that growing up. It was very much I worried about what people thought or I shouldn't do that because of these reasons. And you're you're a very great role model for young people because you just do what it is you do because you like it or for your family. Yeah. And it's just yeah. it's really nice to hear. <laughs> yeah. Society has changed a lot, even from when I was younger. And, you know, women now have a voice. Mm. But, you know, even other minorities have a voice as well. So I don't know. I just, uh, I just think that we just need to continue to have that voice and, you know, to keep promoting women and what we do. And, you know, it's, it's, it's going to change. I'm a massive one for, you know, equal pay and all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, women can't just expect, Mm. no one should expect to just be, you know, come straight out of uni and be paid up here. Like you've got to work your way up. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I really don't know what sort of challenges other people have, but I suppose from my perspective, I just think that, you know, we, we need to build women up and support women. Honestly, the entire time I've just sat here and just been probably in awe of you because I just love what you do and how you portray everything and how your thought process is. So, no, I really appreciate it and I can sense how like you think in a way that's really really refreshing so I appreciate that even though that's just who you are and you might not take note of that it's really really nice oh well that's yeah that's lovely and and thank you and yeah I I certainly don't do things for the accolades that's for sure 
That was our eighth episode. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week, same time, same place with our next installment. We have some brilliant episodes coming up. So keep a lookout on our socials for sneak peeks. You'll hear from us soon.